Hi, welcome to Notes from the Road. I'm your host, Evan Peary. I've spent more than a decade on tour with acts like Pentatonix, Dan and Shay, and Andy Minio. And I've slept everywhere from tour buses and floors to one-star hotel rooms and 15-passenger vans. My goal with this podcast is to provide a window into the side of touring life you don't see on Instagram or MTV. The behind-the-scenes, nitty-gritty tales of comedy, chaos, and camaraderie. Every episode, I'll be speaking with a different touring professional I've met along the way, giving them the opportunity to tell their story of how they got started, where they're headed, and everything else in between. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and for this episode, I'm joined by Johnny Boucher, the founder and CEO of Hope for the Day, a suicide prevention nonprofit. Johnny is one of the biggest personalities I've ever met. He hails from the windy city of Chicago, and it shows. He's loud and to the point, but truly has a heart of gold. After spending several years on the road and working in the touring industry, he was impacted on a personal level by suicide and started to take a look around at his friends and peers endlessly traveling the country to entertain. He found a way to reach out to not only the artists, but their fans on a deeply personal level and truly give people hope for the day. We talk about mental health awareness, coffee, and the fact that he's the only person I know to ever get a shout out on Twitter directly from President Barack Obama. This is a very special Notes from the Road with Johnny Boucher. We can keep talking. I'm going to start. It's it just an L.A. Something. thing, too. Is it an L.A.? Breakfast tacos and yeah, L.A. thing Yeah, farmhouse well? tacos. Okay. Like, these yuppie fucks sit outside for, like, <laughs> an hour waiting for tacos. Lo and behold, I just called ahead and walked in front of them the first time. Dude, that's my move here, too. <laughs> like, so the thing in Nashville is hot chicken. Yes, but, which we will have to eat today. But it's, but it's that same thing. It's, we'd have to call. Because yeah. it's a it's an hour. We could stand out there an hour. Okay, while we're talking about this, yes, I need to get hot sauce. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Like Authentico can't buy anywhere else other than Nashville. Okay, so just like turn that in your head real quick. Yeah, cool. But like Nashville hot sauce, or just you need a certain thing of a certain type of hot I sauce. I mean, fuck me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of these guys that like I walk in and they're like, oh, what 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 flavor wings would you like? I'm like, well, what do you have? Have you, have you watched Hot Ones? Do you oh, watch Hot Ones no. on YouTube? What? So it's what? Uh, it's a complex magazine or mm-hmm. media group run thing, uh, and he interviews people, so famous people, and in all types. So like yeah. musicians, celebrities, chefs, uh, you name it, just enter- people in entertainment. And uh, they have to eat 10 wings, and it goes from, like, sriracha to 500,000 Scoville. It's the cool... He's the one of the greatest... Sean... I can't remember his last name. Sorry, Sean. I don't, this isn't going to... This isn't going to end... Up, he actually did it. Sean Mendez did the challenge. Uh, this isn't going to end up on the podcast anyway. But <laughs> what, he, what dude, a guy. But, dude, he straight up... Uh, some of the best questions, like... He he digs deep and ask, and and like a lot of the celebrities are like holy shit that's a like how did you find that thought you know and I love it so I, that's my goal here if, is like if there's like a thing that we can like make recommendations I think every time I die would be a great band to have on this uh, well not only on this but on this wing and this hot mm. stuff shot thing yeah because they're like the, you know yeah but I mean he's interviewing people like Kevin Hart and you know it's like <laughs> E.T. is a tough dude a tough Keith sell. Buckley uh, okay Keith Buckley yeah. <laughs> he could handle it um uh all right you ready we're gonna <clears throat> I mean, we're I gonna guess, I mean everything is all right we'll jump in a little bit uh Johnny Boucher welcome to notes from the road 
Um, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Johnny is here in Nashville visiting, and so I figured I would sit down with him, and uh, we're going to have a, a really deep chat sort of about... The biggest thing here is it's Mental Health Awareness Month, mm-hmm. um, when this is going to be available to you guys to listen to. Um, and Johnny has really become a, a powerhouse in this world. Um, he started an organization called Hope for the Day. Um, what year was that in? Uh, 2011 was when we filed for 501c3. You know, but either status. way, so we're going eight eight ish years of it existing yeah. on a whole, where you've been trying to help folks. Um, yeah. And then give me again, give me the the short version of what you guys are doing. So I hope for the day we're a proactive suicide prevention and mental health education charity. But really, we're a lifestyle brand, a movement, a, a mantra, a way of living. Because we're just here to break the silence and raise the visibility of resources, but also educate people on how they can be proactive in their communities for themselves or for others. But it really just starts with understanding it's okay not to be okay. Love that. And Johnny sort of founded this because he is also another um, road person. He was road out on dog. He, 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 he was. He was <laughs> I out. I still am. And, and, and still is. And that's, and that's the biggest tie in to kind of. Um, why I wanted to bring him on this podcast, uh, uh, you know, with the subject matter being touring, yeah. is that was sort of his origins, but also he's he's brought his this concept of you know it's okay to not it's okay to not be okay yeah. and and mental health to the touring world, yeah. and he wants to make sure that you know because we see it in entertainment so much that's the, the the suicides you hear about sort of in the news it's yeah. mostly entertainers you know right. or famous people right. so and i imagine you have a statistic on what the real number is per day in yeah. terms of you know like we don't even hear that number we just hear oh my oh my god avici yeah. isn't with us anymore exactly you know? but then we have tmz that's like avici was wearing blue boxers when he took his life and it's like it's like no no we can we have some reverence and respect but like but exactly. so but so that's the only time in a i think as a general public we hear about it and it's talked about otherwise it's a very taboo subject right it we, can be a taboo we, subject we we call it the reactive way of thinking because we react to these things and we're in a very reactive society mm-hmm. you know you go on twitter and you could you know start reacting to a lot of things that are on twitter immediately but <clears throat> the big picture for hope for the day is how do we get people to become proactive so we're talking about mental health and suicide in a way that is inviting not isolating but we're getting ahead of the point of crisis because sure to hope for the day suicide is the result to a mental health crisis and when when i started the organization i was like why aren't mental health and suicide prevention in the same wheelhouse because for so long, one was research-based, one was advocacy. And I was like, well, one complements the other. We need the education to help prevent. Sure. And I just decided to mend them both. And I mean, (laughs) that's why we did it. I was like, we shouldn't be separated. And I think that's just like how I think in life we all are going through different things and we feel separated, but even on the nonprofit side, like we're, I'm very much separated from my peers in the mental health community because we're also fighting for the same dollar, which I refuse to allow us to be a part of. I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about the money. We're here to work together. Sure. Because I know that hope for the day is not going to solve the crisis alone. Yeah. Well, and, and just to, 
just to chime in here real quick, Johnny has been here for 24 hours now and he's been working while he's, he's staying with me at the moment. But, and, and to hear his thoughts on, um, we're, there, you know, all these organizations are really, the goal is, should be coming together and not, you know, who's doing what and what, right. what are everybody's differences. It's like, it's life. It's like life. If we all came together on things, things would, solutions would come up faster right. or, or better. So like to, to hear that you are just like, look, I'm not going to disagree. Let's just find a common ground. Yeah. And, and you all, and to be fair, everybody needs, you know, what you're doing needs funding of some sort for you mm-hmm. to have a staff and for you to have an outreach. And so I totally understand that. And so you have found several different ways to do that. And we'll, we'll touch on those sort of on the other end Dive of this conversation. <laughs> um, because Johnny got involved in one of my favorite things that everybody that I feel like has come in here to talk about has mentioned coffee, which is <laughs> one of my other passions in life. Um, but Let's dive back to, I feel like I met Johnny Boucher, I'm going to say it was probably 2010-ish. Yeah. He was he was primarily working sort of in the metal world mm-hmm. when I met him um, with a band called Veil vale of Maya. Yeah. Were you managing them? Is that right? Am, <clears throat> yeah. I, am I remembering this right? Yeah. So I, I was managing Veil vale of Maya um, and those guys were my best friends because we were all from Chicago mm-hmm. and... <clears throat> It was a beautiful pathway for me to be working in the music industry because in the early 2000s, I started being, um, you know, putting on shows locally in Chicago when I was in um, junior high and high school because I went to a massive school and I was like, yo, my friends and I are going to definitely get in trouble and I need to give them a place to go. Right. And I was also. Um, really, really tied into the local punk rock and hardcore scene. So I was constantly saying, hey, I'll come pick you guys up and we'll go to these shows. And that trans, you know, transpired into this massive um, life that I was like, oh, my God, I want to be a part of the music industry. And I was working <clears throat> in college for a concert promoter, Mike Scanlon. And at the same time, I was still doing punk rock and hardcore shows because the work we were doing with Mike was all in the Christian world, um, which – what you know was never about me and, and my beliefs. It was once again why I wanted to bring my friends back in the day to shows. It's because community, sure. a safe place, right. common ground, what have you. But we just we we need music in our life. We need community in our life. We need these things. So I was like, oh, I'm, this is what I'm gonna do with my life. This is gonna be great. And at the age of 19, while working for Mike, I was like, I also see so much opportunity with like my friends that are in these metal bands and stuff like that. And I also had some friends that were on the other side of that business that were monopolizing things. And I was like, well, hold on one second. How can I take my experience from like these big ass Christian tours and arenas that we were doing and apply it to like 500 to 1,000 cap metal clubs, you know, club shows, which was awesome. So I asked Vale and Miles, like, hey, can I, can I manage you guys? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and it was like, we were off to the races. You know, it was like, it was awesome. I got to learn a lot more about them uh, beyond just being friends and, you know, musicians. We were in business together. It yeah. was my job to help create revenue for them. Right. And also create opportunity for them, which I knew how to do because I was a concert promoter and and, and, and I knew all that, but I was just always down for the, the ride because I was like, oh, I love being a part of things. And it's not about me. It's about what we are doing together. And that's where, yeah, we met in 2010 when you were working with Whitechapel mm-hmm. because I loved Whitechapel. They loved Whitechapel. And I remember sending this email out saying, hey, what if we did this tour with the Acacia Strain, Whitechapel, and Veil of Maya on it? I think it would do gangbusters. And lo and behold, it eventually happened. And it was a great tour. 
It was. It was. I feel like that was one of, for sure, working when I worked for Whitechapel, one of the more enjoyable tours because I feel like all of those guys as humans, pretty cool dudes. Like, like they seem, like, uh, my favorite thing about metal is that whole world, they have to appear like tough guys. Yeah. That's the, like, every fan coming to see a show that Whitechapel played, especially Acacia Strain. Mm-hmm. Vale Maya feels like they were, like, the trippier metal crowd. Yeah, they're, they're kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but, so, but either way, like, there's just this persona. But then all of those guys as humans were, like, the coolest guys. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, I remember meeting Gabe from Whitechapel in mm-hmm. 2007. Gabe is a meaty boy. Yeah, and at first I was like, this guy looks like he would kick my ass. And, you know, he's like, Bushy. <laughs> I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. He's like, are you Bushy? And I said, no, it's Boucher. And he goes, I'm Gabe. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, nice to meet there, you. That's, that, that's the other thing about that band that I love so much. <laughs> that was my first kind of um, experience in Tennessee. Yeah. I, you know, I toured through Tennessee before, but like those dudes are from East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're the, the families are the nicest, welcoming, warm people, but they are 100% Southern kids. Oh, and yeah. it was such a cool, like no joke. The first time I, I like flew down to Knoxville. Uh, one of them, I feel like it was like Alex and Gabe picked me up and, and Gabe was like, yeah, my dad's just smoking pork <laughs> on the porch. And like straight up, Mr. Crisp, there he was. He sat up all night. And the next day we had like, they had like a, a farewell barbecue for the band before we left on the tour that I was going on. This was the first time I met everybody. Oh my gosh. It was like the most Southern thing. And I'll never forget that. No. And it was just a sweet, but like, but then you, you like flip on the switch and they get on stage and you're like, oh my God, this little dude that's like five foot two. Yeah. He might rip my heart out of my chest. But, I'm like, but like, what is it coming yeah, out of but him? Like he might actually come off the stage and rip my heart out of my chest. And then you meet him and he's like the quiet, Phil Bozeman. Yeah. I love you to death if you listen to this. And you are, I don't know how you do it still. Like you're just an amazing human. But yeah. so anyway, met Johnny. We're going to flash, flip back real quick. Met Johnny on this tour um, where the band he was working with was opening for yeah. Whitechapel. And then yeah. we had you know some other bands out there. Oh, absolutely. And, and I remember... I remember meeting you because I was like, God, this guy has his shit together. I tried. <laughs> I was like, this guy's the real deal. I tried my best. And, and it always. Was, it was really, um, to me, it was really nice because, like I said, I was around some people that I didn't take serious in this industry. Okay. And I was like, oh, I can trust this dude. But then. I appreciate that. Well, not only that, but it, it, it immediately, um, because I think that you were part of like that Southern hospitality package that I got from Whitechapel. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's family. I can trust him because I know that I we, we could stop this recording right now and call Gabe or, or, or Alex and they would answer their phone and it, we, we'd pick up the conversation just like it was, you know, we just talked yesterday. And mm-hmm. that's like the most beautiful thing about it. But it was nice because I really felt like there's a lot of point in time in my career in that whole metal world where people didn't take me serious. And <clears throat> now looking back on it, I realized that I was often looking for people to take me serious instead of just being me because sure. I was trying to find my place and I think I was trying to fill a void for where like where I was in like the Christian world because I was just I was just kind of like a, a guy in the Christian world that was just doing arena sh- tours and stuff but for me I was like oh these are my people like I, I resonate with them I can do things with them and what's funny is these these people like like yourself are are still present in my life where there's a lot of people that aren't present in my life anymore that I, I sometimes wish were. 
Um, but that's just the, the changing of the guards, right? But yeah. when we <clears throat> when we first met, I felt like there was like such a beautiful bond between both of us, and it proved you know over the years that we could depend on one another for times where we just needed to bend an ear or have like some big conversations about industry stuff or just talk about coffee. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I tr- truly like so far everybody that's sort of come to sit down and chat like deep friends, you know. And I, I have a, a um, I'm, I'm grateful that I hope people are listening to this right now. But for me, this is one of the more important times like to bring Johnny on. He's been sort of a, a an amazing backbone friend of like, I know I could call him and he's going to answer and it, yeah. and it might just be like, hey man, I'm having a rough day. And he's going to listen and offer some really amazing words of wisdom. And I think now, you know, we'll fast forward to this in a, further down this conversation, but he has such a, a resource. Um, he, he's had so many resources presented to him that he really knows how to talk with people and listen and listen. I think this has come up a couple times on this so far is like the ability to listen as humans. It's like right. going away and we need to kind of train the next generation to get a little bit better at it. Absolutely. And it's about listening non-judgmentally. It's mm-hmm. about listening and and actually taking it in, you know. Even if it's just someone just tell, telling you how their day was, right. you know, it's like Put your phone down, like get all the distraction out of there because that shit's always going to be there. But the scary thing is that sometimes we think that our friends are going to always be there and we think we know what they're going through because of what we see on social media and whatnot. But the harsh reality is, is that, you know, we're all human beings. We all eat, sleep, shit and cry. We all have good days. We all have bad days. And we're not gonna put the bad days up in our, on no. our Instagram. We're like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm courtside, you know, with my homies at the Bulls game. You know, it's not um, I'm shitting my pants and having a horrible day, and and I literally just don't want to do anything. Right? No one's gonna put that up. No, but and it and I guess it's checking in on people all the time. Right. You know, making checking in. You think it seems great, but you're like, how's life really? Right. Right. And then right. somebody's gonna give you an earnest answer back. Right. Right, and, so. and and now because of the disconnection and and how we have relationships with one another, when someone's like, "Oh, I'm having a shit day," how you respond completely can be helpful or it could be debilitating. Sure. And the response that you give people, it could be so easy and so crystal clear. Yet, if you're not present in that moment, you might pass that person off, and that person might truly need you. And to even think about it even more, it's what if. You're in that situation where you need that person to listen, and they pass you off. Right. That's how we just got to remember, like, hey, we all we all wear shoes. Well, <laughs> most of us wear shoes. True. Uh, some days I do like to walk around barefoot. Uh, you know, it's it, better. It, it's better for us. I follow all this crazy stuff on online that's telling me I should be basically barefoot or wearing barefoot shoes. And right. I exactly. Really want to get there. I'll never wear those things with, like with the individual toes. But supposedly those are not to get way off subject, but those supposedly are the best things for your feet. I yeah, take it or leave it. YOLO, it's, man. Like sure. Yo, flex. I'm sure <laughs> I, I'm sure hype beast will pick that shit back up one day. Yeah. And then kids will be mobbing like the Yeezy toe foot shoe thing, he, you know? Kanye like, could do it, dude. If somebody <laughs> could bring the toe shoes to the masses and sell them for a thousand dollars a pair, it's Kanye West. And there will be holes in them because that's just what in I'm sure. Uh, okay, <laughs> but, but let's so let's just circle back to um, so from that point. So let's call that 2010 ish, yeah. and then so not long after that is when you clearly were at least in your brain sort of developing this idea for um, hope for the day. But what bring me like 
the Vale Maya guys. Yeah. You were managing them. Yeah. You were on the road off and on though. And so like that's yeah. where where I want to tie this in that Johnny sort of he was out there seeing the state of us as humans and musicians yeah. and, and both physically and mentally. Totally. And I think obviously in his in his brain going there's bad days and and off days and what can I do to Yeah, to change things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to do things differently. And I remember <clears throat> because it was in March um, of 2010, mm-hmm. uh, I flew into Sacramento. Okay, uh, Ace of Spades show, and <clears throat> I remember getting in the van with Veil of Maya, and I had these Hope for the Day shirts um, that I wanted to do something with. And I was like, "Man, like, hey, I just want to, I want to, I want to put this shirt that says Love Life' up on the, on you know, it's just a good message." And right. The Veil of Maya guys were all about it, but then I remember being. Going into the merch area, and I see, I saw a uh, a Whitechapel shirt that said "fuck this world" or something like that. And I'm I was sure. Just like, Lyrics. I was like, mm, I don't think that's the most you know the best <laughs> setup here. So we're gonna we're just gonna dial it in. But um, it all became very very real in August of 2010 mm-hmm. when my boss Mike Scanlon jumped off his fifth floor balcony in Lincoln mm. Park in Chicago because Mike. And I and a good friend of mine, Shane, were kicking ass in the, in the Christian music industry. We were doing 85 shows a year, 15 massive festivals, and we were unstoppable. And Mike, I often say, was my Robin Williams because he had everything. Right. Like, literally, I had a set of keys to his Range Rover that I would drive to college because he'd be like, go do this, go do this, go do this, and just drop my car off after class. And I'm like... All right, cool. So people would be like, "Man, you're making money," and I'm like, ah, "I work in my industry. I, I do make good money, but like, this is not my car. Right. Um, I'm about to have a real long late, uh, relationship with Sally May, um, <laughs> so um, I'm saving up for that." But Mike was the person who showed me that we could achieve these things, but also what that success could do to one individual and. When Mike took his life, I really started looking at my friends differently who were on the road because way, way, way back in the day when I was, you know, barreling out of, you know, 15 passenger vans with my friends in the early 2000s because we were all playing in like local bands and trying to be weekend warriors. It was the thing to do. It was to, hey, we're going to go play a show. We're going to go find some house party and we're all going to drink a 30 rack of PBR because that's just what Hot Water Music told me to do. (laughs) Um, Right. uh, Shout out to Hot Water Music. They're like one of the bands that saved my fucking life too. But it was, um, it was one of those things that I started going, wow, like maybe, maybe we need to talk about things, you know, because if Mike could take his life, man, who, who, who else could. Right. And when, um, when Mike took his life, it really put me into a really interesting headspace because that same week that Mike took his life, I lost a friend Kelly to cancer and Kelly was shot in the West loop of Chicago and when they took her in, they said, you don't have to worry about the bullet wound. We found something else. And so she, she went very quickly. So that, <clears throat> that week, I lost two amazing people in my life. I questioned if I died the next day, what would people have to say about me? And it wasn't like, oh, he was this great person that did all this amazing stuff, you know, like made all this money. I was like, what the fuck have you done for other people that someone can go, this guy gives a shit. And it wasn't about the shows anymore. It wasn't about anything that I fought for for many years that I thought that's what I wanted. It was about something that wasn't in my life 
at that point in time that I really needed to hone in on something because I felt <clears throat> from the business side of both the Christian industry, the metal industry, and just trying to be a concert promoter that I lost sight sometimes of why I was doing these things. And I remember being in a, on a phone call with a really good friend of mine, Derek Brewer, and I just said, I'm not fucking going gray over this bullshit anymore because this is pathetic, petty bullshit, and I'm sick and tired of making some of my friends, who I won't insert their names, money because they don't give a fuck about me nor their fucking bands. They just, they just care about making money. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not out there dying in a 15 passenger. Right. They're not eating two, two hot dogs for 222 specials from Sitco's. <laughs> like, they're not doing that. They're not having to grind it. But I was just like, well, wait a minute. Like, if I could just leave what I fought for and come back with this new idea known as now Hope for the Day, maybe we could talk about mental health in a different way because I realized that when Mike took his life, Mike was number nine on a list of 16 people that I've personally lost to suicide. Both my aunt, my uncle, and my mom's side um, took their lives. And, and when Mike did this, I was sitting on the, you know, back patio of, of my apartment in Chicago. And I did what anyone would do when they're going through some shit. I went and grabbed a bottle of whiskey and I drank the whole thing and I started crying my eyes out. And I was like, oh my gosh, my life has been so impacted by this and no one's talking about it. And I just know that all my friends that are cruising around this world being musicians, some of them are struggling because it comes out in their lyrics. But why don't we take their lyrics and use it for ammunition to go help their fans, help others, but also help themselves. And just, you know... (laughs) The next day, I uh, woke up hungover and went and bought nonprofits for dummies from Barnes and Noble. And literally, it's within arm's reach of my desk still today because I I didn't go to school for you know to right. run a nonprofit. And and what I learned immediately was that it can't just be me. It's got to be we. It's got to be a bigger picture thing. And from there, I was just like, cool. I'm leaving this industry and I'm coming right back because I literally sent an email a few uh, weeks later saying, Hey, I'm done managing bands. I'm done working in concert promotion. I think I was on that. I think I got that email. <laughs> and I was just I like, s- I swear I'm moving forward and everyone's welcome. And it, it was just this thing that I, I needed to take time because I wanted to do it the right way. I just didn't want it to be right. like this yeah. flash in the pan thing, but I wanted it to be real. Just as like the first time we both met Whitechapel, that real sincere, I give a shit. You hear me. I hear you like we're in this together mentality instead of it being like, oh, I'm going to take my pain and I'm just going to talk about my pain and you're going to have to somehow relate. I was like, no, no, this is for everybody. This is for every because everybody has a brain. Yeah. And what's, you know, what's, what's wild is that, um, you know, when I, when I was really thinking about how do I get this thing off the ground and how do I utilize music? How do I utilize my friendships and everything? I started having conversations with my friends that I never had before. And it was because I was asking the guys in Vail my, hey, would you help me get this message out? Hey, white chap, would you guys ever think about talking about this? And lo and behold, Phil has talked to me a bunch of times throughout our, our you know, friendship about his own mental health struggles. Sure. You know, like yeah. being you know, someone who is raised by you know, his his, his grandmother. grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember being in Joliet when his grandmother passed and him just sucking it up and going out and giving it his all. But he needed that moment, you know, sure. and that's the thing. We need to recognize that we need moments as human beings to take time and take a step back so we can take really three steps forward. It's just not a cheesy pop punk reference. It's like it's the truth. We need these moments. But 
sometimes it's hard to see these moments because it's rock and roll. You know, it's still, you know, drugs, sex, all this other stuff, alcohol. Well, and you think maybe as a, uh, a guy in rock and roll or metal or heavy music or a, a man human, yeah. you, you, can't, you have to hold all your emotions. Yeah, in. don't and be a pussy. <laughs> that's bullshit. I cry all the fucking time. <laughs> Dude, I cry the worst things now. But to that point, somebody like yourself sitting there next to him being like, I'm here. Yeah. Come talk to me. Right. Like, you don't you can you can put up the stone wall to everybody else in this room, but I'm gonna just remind you, like, and I think that's one of the amazing things Johnny, just in his personality, is able to do, um, is get people you know, like that seem very tough exterior to sit and talk with them. Yeah, you know? I mean and, I go and speak on military bases. Yeah. And I start off with I don't give a fuck how long you've been here, what shade of camo you have on. <laughs> um, you're a human being, and at the end of the day. You got to go take care of yourself because you're a disservice to your squadron, to your family, if you're not taking care of yourself. I talk about it with the Chicago Police Department all the time because right now they're seeing a rash of suicides. But at the same time, it's just like we don't need to like let the soda bottle get to the point of exploding because the pressure is just shaking up in there. We need to learn how to take that cap off. And that's really what Hope for the Day does because everyone's like – so do you have your own hotline? I'm like, fuck no. We advocate on great resources globally that are already there, that are well-funded. They just need a little bit of a bridge so you feel inspired that you can actually trust those people. Because right. we live in a society where we don't want to go see the doctor until we're on our deathbed. We will Google everything and put <laughs> our... Yeah. yeah. We, my sister literally put herself in the fucking hospital because she thought she was having a panic attack, Googled panic attack. We were in Lou Malnati's in Chicago eating <laughs> the best pizza. Shout out, lose. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to eat it, do the right stuff. But the pizza hits the the table, and I'm looking at her, and she is just starting to lose it. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I think I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, why did you do that? And all of a sudden, I was like, all right, hold on, 911, come pick my sister up. And was I a dickhead because I didn't go? I said, you're going to be fine. Get in the ambulance. I sat there and ate the pizza uh, with my family because it was just important that we knew that she was safe. But we were like, you know what? What was the issue there? She didn't communicate you know, before to us that maybe she was feeling some type of way. Yeah. And it's even women have, have, you know, like these, you know, these walls built up. We as humans have walls built up. Yes. Sorry. Matter. I should have said non-gender specific, but yeah, we just uh, humans yeah. building up walls and yeah. wanting to be tough. And yeah. Whatever your fucking pronoun is like own it, but just know that Noted. In, in that community, there are people that are just like you that have the good days and the bad days, but it's about how we get through them, mm-hmm. which is really what we focus on at hope for the day is like, Hey, we're going to break the silence because we know we need to. We're going to do it in unique ways, music, the arts, health, wellness, pretty much anything and any, everything. Someone actually said recently, you're like supreme because you put <laughs> It's Okay Not to Be Okay in your logo on everything. And I go, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're here to do because it's not about me waving this flag. It's this you know, Tumblr right in front of us that yeah. has our you know, slogan, It's Okay Not to Be Okay on it, that you're going to take out on tour this summer. And lo and behold, someone's going to be like, oh, that's a cool Tumblr. But maybe they're like, what's this message? Right, it's a conversation starter. Exactly. And I, I mean, hey, if, that, if, if interesting branding that's geared towards hopefully this millennial generation, which yeah. I think you're, that's sort of, I mean, I know you, broad stroke of like, you want everybody to listen, but like, right. we need young kids to really be, if, they, if they're getting the message sooner, right. hope, the hope is that it's, they're going to, use the resources you're providing and talk to people and you Absolutely. know and it doesn't lead further down the road Absolutely, to cause, you know well cuz suicide is you know the second leading cause of death for 10 to 24 year olds worldwide now. yeah but so anyway it, it's a thing where i'm sure 
and I'm just going to be devil's advocate. You've been ridiculed for putting that on everything and having it so fuck yeah. But it's a it is a conversation starter. We work with the alcohol industry proudly. And it's not because we love to party, because we do love to party. Right. And sometimes we need to remember to party responsibly. But my uncle drank himself to death. And people sometimes go, well, that's an addiction thing. And I go, that's a mental health complication yeah. because you are filling a void. And if you really want to get into it, it's really a crutch. You know, we use these things as crutches. Mm -hmm. And if we just look at you know why people smoke cigarettes, because they need to go out, they need to breathe. But if they just knew that they just breathe, just like they were doing with the cigarette, they would get the same thing minus the you know nicotine that then you know is a chemical in their body. But the the truth is is that we have understood that we would rather be present and get some shit instead of just allowing you know things to go on as they have been. Because is it my uncle's fault or is it Dalmore Scotch's fault my uncle is drinking? Right. And it might not be my uncle's fault. It might not be their fault, but they both played a role. And we need to stop pointing the finger at the reason and start pointing the finger back at ourselves and, and looking at it, why, why, am I, why am I hitting the bottle so hard? You know, why am I, why am I taking pills? Why am I, you know, having, you know, promiscuous sex so often? Like, what am I trying to fill these voids in? You mm -hmm. know, it's not just, it's just not pills and booze. It's, there's a lot of things that we don't really realize that are vices in our lives that we are really just negatively impacting our lives. And it's just like, a, it's like the, the analogy of like, you, you know, you can't draw from an empty cup, right? And it's like, how, how are you putting it back in every day? That's that's the important thing, but for you know everything that we do in, in alcohol and food beverages, even in like medicinal marijuana stuff like that, like I would rather be the guy that think you know says the things that we don't want to say because that's how we're going to change things. You it makes know, people like, uncomfortable. Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm like the you know they they say that I'm like the Gary V meets Tony Robbins, and I obviously read the Steve Jobs quote that you know the crazy people will change the world, and yeah. it's literally something that hangs over my bed. And it's because I do believe that if we are going to be proactive, we need to seize the awkwardness. We need to get ahead of it. We need to pop the pimple when it comes to these things because if not, it's just going to keep happening and we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. But the truth is this. There's 121 people that on average take their lives every day here in America. And we're just talking about America. That's mm -hmm. over 44,000 people every fucking year that complete suicide, not – commit suicide, complete suicide, wow. or die by suicide. Right. People who take their lives are not fucking criminals. Just remember that. So yeah. it's really important that we understand that, holy shit, this is happening while we're talking right now. Right. And that's really sad because then when you start thinking about outside the country, which sometimes it's really hard to not to, you know, get lost in just America because America is the land of the great, whatever. But like we are the loneliest country on this planet and we have the, some of the most privileged opportunities on this planet. Right. And when we talk about the other parts of the world, that 44 to 45,000 people that take their lives every year, all of a sudden becomes 800,000. Wow. And I really think it's more than that because of the lack of reporting. Sure. Yeah. The, yeah. The it's lack a, of, right. Not every, not every country is reporting it like America is reporting it or keeping right. a statistic on it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Even in America though, we're two years backdated. Like if you and I looked up suicide data, we'd be looking at 2016, 2017 data right Holy now, shit. which is kind of fucked up. Yeah. You know, to me, I'm like, why, how isn't this more in like real time? 
because it's happening. It's being reported. Right. And then what, you know, you need better data so you can help in whatever way, yeah. you know, like it helps you right. to figure out what, what, what a better method is to maybe right. approach Absolutely. People. So I, that's why I would be like, you know what? We can't depend on some of these things that we really need to depend on. So we got to take action on our own way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I hit up all my homies that are craft, bre- you know, brewers and, and we have people in, in whiskey and stuff like that that I'm like, hey, can we put resources on your beer bottle, your 16-ounce can, your bottle of whiskey? Because I would rather fucking do that than allow another person to go to a bar and just get served, serve, serve, or go home and hit the bottle, hit the bottle, and not have something that could just be there to change how they're feeling or thinking. But then also give them the opportunity to go, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't think that I was doing this, but I was, I was wasted, and I like woke up in this blur, and I just saw on the side of this Jack Daniels bottle, like this thing that said it's okay not to be okay. Started reading it, and I realized there was twenty four hour hotline numbers on yeah, it. Yeah, it's a that's a. I, I feel like you are the person that's thinking of those things. That and I'm and yeah. I'm sure that there are other organizations out there, but like that might be risky to them. And you're like, no, I want totally. somebody to like. I want this on there for help. Like I'm not trying. We're not trying to promote it's more just no. like that person that hits right. that bottom point and they just happen to be staring down whatever they were drinking yeah. and they're like oh shit yeah absolutely it's, and it's and it's pretty remarkable to think that your brain works that way yeah your branding is is such you were used to branding for yeah commercial real yeah. bands musicians entertainment and you're just using that to like bring this message of hope Right. To people and it's in my, a different way. Well, it's in my theory. If we're going to be proactive, we need to meet people where they're at, not where we, we expect them to be. Because one thing about social media is that it's raised a standard on how we think people should be living their lives. And these expectations, these fucking false expectations, where I'm just like, yo, it's all good. Like, come as you are. That's, right. that's all I want. That's all I want because that's what I want people to get out of me as well is that I'm a flawed human being who has some shit that I probably am not stoked on that I was a part of in my life. But you know what? Like we can all make change. And that's, you know, really what like the Notorious B.I.G. said. You know, I went from negative to positive and it's all good. And it's not that I've ever been a bad person or a negative person. I just know that there's those people out there who think negatively about themselves. And that's what drives a lot of those demons. And instead of getting the help, they'd rather go, you know, hit the bottle, you, you know, do, take some pills or whatever. And, and it's just like, you, you need, you need those moments in your life to get hit rock bottom so you can climb back up. Right. But the bigger picture is, is that when you fall on the ground and you're in the mud ha, 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 and you get back up, why wouldn't you fucking tell people that? Be like, yeah, I fell down and I got back up, but I, and I fell down again, you know? And I think that's why like, it's interesting in the entertainment industry right now, we're really trying to crack the code on what is the appropriate way to bring, you know, mental health and well overall well-being into platforms like touring and into management offices mm-hmm. and just into entertainment in general because it can't just be the show must go on. Right. You know? I, I I truly believe that if we had the ability to look at like an artist like Mac Miller, who yes, was put in rehab. But then when he got out, they're like, go put your album out. We're going to go on tour and everything. And the issue is, is when you get to the bigger artists and the bigger players in this world, you have a lot of yes men and women who right. yeah. have to do what they say instead of say what you really should. And, you know, thinking about 
when I was working for Mike Scanlon, I actually took the time to say, I would rather not work for you if you're going to live your life this way, because I knew that Mike was battling a cocaine addiction. I knew that Mike was an alcoholic. I knew that he was sleeping with many women. I was dropping off keys, flowers, nail salon certificates, all this bullshit to all these women. And I was like, you know what? I am. I think I got to be honest with Mike. And I sat him down and I said, I wouldn't, I'm I'm not going to work for you unless you change your life. And he did change his life. But sadly, those demons kept up Mm -hmm. and those demons kept up. And eventually it it drove him to be in millions of dollars in debt and just be, he was living this life that no one knew. And when he jumped off his fifth floor balcony, everyone was shocked. Even to this day, his family still wants to say it was an accidental death because that harsh reality. So that's when you go back to those stats and you go, well, 800 is probably more like a million because family guilt, you know, like we don't want, you know, we don't want to be ashamed, you know, oh, he slipped off the building. Fuck you. No, he didn't. He jumped and sadly he wasn't in his own headspace anymore because he was so far gone. Yeah. And the same thing happened to my aunt. My aunt was an alcoholic and she, um, you know, she, uh, God, she, she was just, this beautiful soul that had a lot to give, a lot of love to give, but at the same time, she loved her country music. She loved kicking up, throwing back a couple beers every night. And when she was, um, you know, in her in her final days, she had been going through a med change, so that there was a chemical imbalance in her in, in her body. Oh she was back drinking. Um, but she was also thrown into isolation because her husband at the time was working on the road um, as a truck driver or whatever. And she was manifesting this. I asked my cousins, I was like, did you guys not see any of this? I go, well, she would talk about going out and gassing herself in the, in the garage. But like, we just never thought she was serious. And lo and behold, you know, I got a call that from my, my cousin Brittany saying, well, you started this organization. I need your help. I said, oh, what's going on? Thinking like, I'm going to have to get my, my cousin some resources because she had been through her own shit that I was aware of. And lo and behold, she goes, no, my mom took her life last night. And I go, huh? She goes, so I need you to call the family. I can't do it. And hung up the phone. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, really? And I remember calling my mom and saying, hey, I need you to take a moment. And I'm getting chills. It's like, it was one of the hardest days of my life because I literally had to say, mom, your sister's dead. She took her life. And still to this day, my, one of my aunts, she struggles with it all the time. She talks to me, like, when we get together, family gathering, she's like, do you think she meant to do it? I'm like, fuck like I, I, we can't answer that but what we can do is we can take that that what happened and we can go out there and we can say hey you know i lost my you know my, for my aunt I, you can say i lost my my sister my brother to suicide and you know our family was kind of fucked up because they just drank all the time and the joke used to be that our family my mom's family was all born in the bar and my mom thankfully doesn't drink she has her own vices pepsi and like <laughs> american spirits but she is you know, she's this person that goes, okay, I need to rally around my family now and be an adult because, you know, no one's around. Right. But we got to be this this voice that, uh, you know, allows us to speak up even when we don't want to speak up. And it's great to see that my family has gotten to this place where because of, you know, everything we've done with Hope for the Day, that everyone's just, yep, this is what it is. This is how we do it. This is how we've been impacted. And how do you need help? You know, instead of just being like, yeah, I've lost someone. <clears throat> um, you know, and it's and it's fine if you if you're at that place, but I want you to know that you have the ability to honor that person's life and share their story because they did more than just take their own life. They did a lot more. And if we can learn from it, we'd be able to then t- inject that back in society. And that's why when a celebrity takes their life, 
you know, all we get is a, you know, a bunch of posts like we knew Anthony Bourdain, which in social media, we feel very connected to people uh, more than ever, which is great. But at the same time, the writing was on the wall. There's a lot of writing on the wall. You know, you, you, you look at people like Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell where people are like, yeah, they struggled, but we just didn't see it, you know? And it's where we got to get to a place if we're going to be supporting people to be the ones that are going to take ourselves out of the equation, the equation and, and just go ask those simple questions. How are you doing? Right. But then going back to what you're saying earlier, you need to listen. Yeah, you need to listen, absolutely. You need to listen non-judgmentally too. Right. Well, and I'll, well, let's transition real quick and um, th- thank you for sharing so openly. I know this is just part of your life now, yeah. and, and it's not as easy for everybody. But thank you for sharing all of these stories so yeah. far. Um, but in that, your your message now take take me to the touring and road yeah. aspect of it because Johnny with Hope for the Day um, and connecting with somebody like a Kevin Lyman. Yeah, my fucking boy. Who, who him and Johnny have, you know, they've they've created a very special bond as, as friendship and then working together on letting Johnny take the organization on the Warp Tour. And he's done other, other touring and he's had plenty of other bands that have let him yeah. have the opportunity and, and some of his constituents and people that work with him come up and speak before an artist plays. Yeah. Just to talk to a crowd of young people right. to say to say this message that Johnny yeah. has just been talking about. But I guess what I want to get at is, um, you know, what are those efforts to the masses? So like what you just described to me and telling your story and yeah. telling people it's okay, like how, just so people that are listening can understand like how you've been able to take that to a large crowd of people and, 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 you know, that's, you know, it's easy to talk to me one-on-one right now and tell that story, but yeah. like talking in front of thousands of people at once, it's got to be a little bit more difficult. And so like, how did that happen? And yeah. you know, what, what is that like as well? Well, you know, so, um, when we had started uh, really kicking off uh, things, I was actually, you know, sitting here going, "Well, we don't have any money to go do anything. <laughs> what can we do?" And I started shooting videos, uh, and we released them through our good friends at Alternative Press called "Music Saved My Life." And the first one we actually ever sh- shot was with the Gaslight Anthem, and like the next week, the Gaslight Anthem blew the fuck up. And it was in it was actually at Riot Fest 2012 when I shot this with them. Okay, and I hit up AP, um, and I was like, "Hey, I got this video series that I really would like to start." And they're like, oh, "Okay, cool." And then I, I went, we went on to produce 72 of these videos. And we released them all the time, like every other week with Alternative Press. And it was a fucking amazing thing. But I was like, all right, there needs to be something more going on out here. So I was out on um, actually at Chicago Warp Tour. And a good friend of mine, um, Jason, <coughs> and a guy by the name of John Reens, they both pulled me over. They're like, hey, we're going to introduce you to Lyman real quick. And I was like, oh, shit, like the Don of Warp Tour. Like <laughs> yeah. I've been running around in his backstage areas for many years with my friends. Like, oh, this is great to go actually meet the guy. And he sat down with me and just said, I've heard and I want hope for the day on this tour in 2014. We're going to get on the phone at the turn of the year and we're going to make it happen. And I was like, sure, fuck yeah, let's go. You know, and that was in July of 2013. And I was integrating, bringing resource cards to bands and having them take them out on the tours and just really giving. Which just started sort of merch table, which right. which is cool. That's exactly. very that's very grassroots punk, yeah, you know, and, underground and version. And I mean, exactly. it's, it's it's at least you're trying, you're like chipping away at how am I breaking into this? Right. And that's a smart way to start. Well, and I also like found a Chicago printer that I could get like five thousand four inch by six inch resource cards printed, you know, for like less than a hundred bucks. 
So I'd be like, hey, can I meet with you on the highway while you guys are cruising through Chicago? You guys have these shows coming up. I'd love for you guys to be able to speak from stage and just say, hey, we have these opportunities at our res- at our merch table that you can get resources that are available 24 hours a day mm-hmm. anywhere here in America. And uh, we were working with this band, The Color Morale, and they're like, yo, we're going to Europe. And I was like, okay. Um, well, we've seen traction on our videos from Europe, so I'm like, Let's let's put a resource card out there. So I find a German, you know, printing company and call them. And I was like, get it printed in the correct I was language. Like, Yo, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The first round of resources we right. printed in eleven different languages. Wow! And it was awesome because I was like, oh, we could do this. But it opened my eyes, and I was like, hey, if we are raising money and we're immediately spending it on putting resources into bands' hands and we're building these videos, like, cool, we're getting out on the circuit. And people were starting to see hope for the day in an organic way that wasn't about, you know, Johnny talking about it. It was mm-hmm. their favorite bands talking about it. And I was like, this is perfect. So with talking with Lyman, he was like, I really believe in what you're doing. So come around to <laughs> January 7th of 2014, uh, I had a noon call with Kate Truscott and Kevin Lyman. And I almost didn't call him because I was fearful of what they're going to say. I wanted to be able to say yes. And I didn't know, I knew it was going to cost money. I didn't know what it would cost. Right. A seven minute conversation, uh, led us to, all right, we're going on warp tour. And I hung up the phone and I checked our bank account and we had $400 in the bank account. And I was looking at $25,000 budget. And I was just like, um, I might have to call them back. But I was like, you know what? We're going to figure this shit out. We're going to figure this shit out. So I, I called my friend at, uh, at Indiegogo, and I was like, yo, can you set me up a page? I'm like going to do this campaign. We're going to go on the road. And everyone's like, you're going on the road with Hope for the Day. This is going to be amazing. And I was like, yeah, I really don't know what's going to happen with it, but it's going to be awesome. We're doing the entire Warp Tour. We're rolling with our friends in the band Vanna. And, like, I got a bunk on their on their bus. Like, it's going to be great. And, um, you know, we got out there, and the very first day of Warp Tour was in Houston, Texas. And I just walk out there. And for the first time, I felt like I was going into Warp Tour like a kid again. And I was like, there's nine stages. There's going to be a shit ton of bands. Where's Hope for the Day setting up? You know, where's our place in this world? Mm-hmm. And we ended up kind of like being by the bands that we were friends with. But that day, I was like, wait, wait a minute. There's nine stages. And all my friends are playing on these stages. I was like, can I go speak? And I literally just guerrilla style started walking up to my friend's bands. And I was like, hey, um, can I take like the first minute and a half of your set and just talk about hope that I point to the, you know, to the tent and let's just see how it goes, you know? And, you know, happily now we get to say after a five-year, you know, partnership with the Vans Warp Tour that I personally have spoke over 1,200 times on stage. Uh, to an estimated audience of like 1.7 million people. Crazy. Um, we have successfully distributed over 250,000 resources. Uh, we've we've distributed thousands of our zines that have testimonials from band members, real life experience. They got in the hands of parents. They got in the hands of, of kids. It was great. Then they got into the hands of people that were on the tour. Mm-hmm. And that opened my fucking eyes. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, wait a minute. There's people out here that are struggling too. Like yeah. you knew it, but like, holy shit, Johnny, they're resonating with you. You got to take advantage of this opportunity. So I immediately started focusing on what's fan facing, what's backstage facing. How am I supporting them? That's when I immediately went back to Kevin Lyman. I was like, how can I help you guys with people that are struggling on this tour with mental health issues? Because clearly it's happening. 
but I also see people walking every single day with two 24 cases of beer in their hands. And I was victim of it. You know, our first year, I probably got pissed drunk every night. And I started realizing that that's how I was actually curing my pain of not being able to help everybody. And I called my mom one night and I was like, kind of having an issue. And she's like, what? And I was like, I'm just, uh, I really am just like stuck on this thing that I can't save everyone. She said, you can't save everyone. And I was just like, fuck, I needed to hear that because I needed to save myself too. I needed to yeah. work, like look out for myself. So I immediately was like, all right, I'm not going to crush this case of beer with these guys every night, you know? Um, could be a couple nights, but I was like, are you sleeping? How are you? You know, I started asking myself, like, what am I doing? Because I, I really love to try to lead by example. And, you know, in these five years of working with Warp Tour, it's amazing to know that as much as we've done on the fan-facing side, we have done unreal things on the backstage side. I, I was, you know, I'm known for the guy that would take people to the AA meetings with a beer in my hand and just pass them off and say, you're loved, here you go. You guys let me know if you need me to come back, you know, but I'm going to go back and just hang out with my friends and, and we're going to keep doing our thing. Um, but it was really, really eye-opening because the more that I talked about mental health, the more others wanted to talk about it. And the other, more other people felt like they could be empowered to share their story, where then I started getting texts from people on the tour, hey, can we meet up? Can we go talk? Can we go talk? And I love taking walks with people because we were one and the same. They're like, you got a tour laminate, so do I. Right. I don't know you. I heard yeah. you, you, your fat ass screaming on the stage, right. you know, getting people all riled up. And people were like, yeah, you're the, the hype man of hope. And I go, you can call me whatever the fuck you want, but I go, I'm willing to put myself out of the equation for what can happen because the show can't just go on. It's going to go on. There's, there's concerts that are happening constantly. Those are opportunities to talk to people when they're most vulnerable because they're there to experience something that is this like small memento of their life. So why wouldn't you leave an impactful message with that? You know, fuck buying a T-shirt, fuck, you know, all these VIP upgrades and all that bullshit. Fuck a selfie. What are, what are you really doing for your impact for your fans? But what are you doing for yourself? Because you know, the more we talked about it, the more it was like, holy shit, there's a lot of people out here that are self-medicating. There's a lot of people that are out here that are struggling and they don't feel like they can talk about it. Yeah. And thank, you know, thankfully we didn't ever have any issues, you know, with someone taking their life on the tour, but we had some scary moments that I'm happy and I'm proud that we were there. And I just question, what if we weren't there? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm so glad again that you're, we came to visit, we could sit down and do this because um, we've talked about it a little bit before, you know, in the episode before this, um, Lindsay Bathke, who you just yeah. met yesterday and you guys seem like you connected and, and I think um, she is. And and similar message to you and her thought is just, we're all, we're all in this together out here and we live such a different lifestyle from, you know... Um, the norm. The norm. And... Um, but how are you doing? You know, and and her kind of goal, and this is similar to yours, is like being out there and being a resource as well, being present. Yeah, and and just there has to be a human that you can confide in, and and maybe just let it all out of your thoughts for a moment, and I think that can change a person's life lifestyle, their outlook, their day. If you just if their person's like, hey, can we talk real quick? Five minutes. Yeah, it could be five minutes. I'm sure you can attest to that five minutes of just letting that person. Absolutely. Just vent and, and, and be present, you know, and they say that if you are experiencing someone who's at you know, like a point of crisis, within 20 minutes of talking with them, you de-escalate the situation. Completely. Whether they realize you're doing that right. or not. Right. Absolutely. 
And it's just because people want to be heard. And if you think about it like this in a really funny situation, right? When you got to take a shit and you can't go take a shit, what happens? You start panicking. You start reacting to it, especially when you're on the road, right? Yeah. You, you remember the first time you took a shit in a bag on a, on a bus. Still have never done it. I've, I've, I'm knocking on, sorry if I'm knocking real loud, I'm knocking, I'm going to break the rules here, but yeah, I've, I've, but, but yes, panic, I've been panicked in my life over that. Yes. I I'm can grateful relate. for all the Walmart bags that we get while we go to these Walmart stops. Cause <laughs> this is folks, this is real world. This is real shit. This is real touring <laughs> yeah. deep. Just to explain, not to get real gross, but like you're not supposed to go number two on the bus. It's the, it's the number one rule of the tour bus, right? right? You're because not. Because of Dave Matthews. <laughs> Oh my, let's not get into that. I don't, Dave, you're never going to listen to this, but I'm so glad you've dedicated the rest of your touring career to helping the environment, by the way. Uh, shout out all the resources to help Space us. No, don't get me, don't get me in trouble. I'm going to have to cut that out. Oh boy. Um, but so, you know, it's the number one rule. Like it's just a thing, right? Yeah. It, it, and, and so... If you're stuck in a crazy moment because you're trapped in a moving large vehicle, mm -hmm. your options are talking to the bus driver and right. having them pull over mm -hmm. if it's possible. Right. Or essentially, I don't want to get into it, but like finding another way to go to go number two. And right. and and it's the it's the last, 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 Absolutely. last resort. So even when you're in the comfort of your home and you gotta go to number two and then you go number two, what happens? You feel better, right? You yeah. feel relieved. Sure. That's the same thing when it needs to, you can do the same analogy of when you're like, I don't really feel good. I'm just going to go make myself throw up because I know I got something going on here. Maybe I shouldn't have ate that guac, you know, as great as it was, it looked a little funky. Yeah. Whatever that is, we have to get that out. We have to get that out because there's some sort of poison in our body or it's in our minds when we feel like we can't get that out. But once we do, we all of a sudden feel like, wow. I feel a lot better. You lighter. Know? You feel lighter. Yeah. And, and, and it's the same thing. Like when you want to go to the gym and you want to work out and you're like, I just don't want to go. But when you go and you're done, you're like, man, I'm flexing hard today. This shit's awesome. You know, yeah. I, I feel great. <laughs> I got myself a protein shake. You know, I did right. a wheatgrass shot. Right. But it's just, it, it's this thing that we need to understand how to take care of ourselves the best because then when we do need help, we can articulate it the best. Because when it comes to being the helpful person, we, are, we as humans think we're fucking superheroes and I, I don't have a cape on and <laughs> you don't have a cape on. And when it comes to being that support, it is crucially important that we listen non-judgmentally, that we give actual good you, you know, advice. Like, have you talked with someone about this? Can I help get some resources for you? Mm -hmm. Do you need me to call 911 if you're in fear of taking your life right now? We need to get comfortable with these conversations because that's the difference between literally saving people's lives. And it's pretty fucking trippy, but that's priceless to me. And I just felt like, you know, so moved by, you know, hey, if if we can just get this message out there, but also put these tools in people's hands, maybe they won't get to the point of crisis. Maybe they'll start going there and I'll be like, all right, my bottle's shaking up. I need to take my cap off, you know? And that happens every day. You and I... Uh, have things that happen every single day that might we might feel like are the only things that like are happening to us, but they're happening all around. But it's what we do with it, and it's how we do it. Like I wish I could go run. I have Achilles tendonitis, but I know a lot of people that go run not just for health concerns. It's because they need to go fucking have a run. They need to go take a walk. You right. know, they need to go take a deep breath. I do yoga. I meditate. I also think about things like. 
maybe I should go read a book instead of like staring at my computer because this shit is not helping me right now. Right. You know, it's, we need to have these things, but it's so important that when you're touring that you have those things because at the same time, you know, whether it's a club show or an arena show, there's always catering. There's always booze unless you're on a sober tour. And there's always opportunities to go back to what you don't want to be a part of. But then it's also our responsibility to say, hey, you know, it's it's going to be a party tonight, but, like, what are we doing in the morning? Like, can we interject? Is there money in the budget to maybe bring a massage therapist out? Is, right. there, is there someone on the road that actually can maybe lead a yoga class in the morning, you know, because, mm-hmm. lo and behold, band members do yoga too. Like, my good friend Woody from the band R last night, he and I literally did an online month-long for Mental Health Month <laughs> yoga challenge, and we tracked it, and there were people from all around the world joining us just because we were posting every morning on social media, and especially to see a big guy like myself, yeah, you know, dropping down and making, you know, like well, people, people are like, whoa. So real quick, um, because this is a question I ask everybody, and spe- you know, especially for you today, what are some of your when you're traveling when you're on the road? Because Johnny's still, you know, he's now the manning the ship at the helm. He is the CEO <laughs> of of this organization. Yeah. And I also, we'll, we'll come back to this in one second, but just the thought of um, bringing in the right people to support you. We'll come back to that yeah. in a second. But my, my big question is, what are your, you know, you just talked about yoga. Yeah. Um, but what else do you do when you're traveling or on the road to keep yourself sort of both physically and mentally sharp? Or, you know, like what are some, some things you can offer to people that in their daily life or if they're touring like yeah. what give give us something like you know, everybody so far has given a, a completely different answer and i love that and mm-hmm. i just want to hear you know how many things can we offer to people that are listening like these are things that can help if you're, you maybe you're interested yeah. and maybe reach out to the person that was on that episode about like how did they get into that yeah so. yeah ab- absolutely so what i started doing on the road and what i have brought into just my everyday practice like i said is yoga Yoga, like I just love stretching. I love how my body feels. And I love that I'm so in tune with it now that like literally I'll be walking down the street and I'll be like, oh, hold on a second. I just need to, you know, when people are like, oh, I need to pull over and just like, mm-hmm. you know, tie my shoe. I act like I'm sometimes tying my shoe. I'm actually just stretching, you know, because like people are like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, my back. I just need to, you know, in my spine. But for me, what I really do is I, I manage my time. And that is something that we don't do a good job of when we're constantly trying to play catch up and we're trying to battle a hangover or maybe we ate pizza at two o'clock in the morning and, you know, we're not feeling good from it or whatever it is. I now look at how am I investing in my next day with today sure. you know, and being present. And I like to learn a lot from my, my days be, you know, behind me and say, well, you, you could have did better, bud, you know? And it's just about getting in that, in that mindset because, you know, one of the things I really understood about touring was that, yeah, we're out on the road. It's great. You don't get to go see shit, you know, unless you want to. And when I was touring in metal bands, fun, funny enough, I used to argue with Vale of Mine. I'm like, the Grand Canyon is literally right there. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? You want to get to a venue? And this is before venues had good Wi-Fi that everyone would just go suck off. You know, I'm like, well, let's go. Like, it's right there. Like, uh, you know, and, 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 and then I just started saying, you know what? I can't worry about everyone. I have to worry about myself. So I would always just figure out, all right, cool. What do I need to get done 
in the first part of my day? What do I need to get done in the thir- second part of my day? And then the third part of my day I know is going to be at the venue giving myself to either people in the crowd that come up to the Hope for the Day table or giving, you know, making sure that I'm ready to give a fucking great speech, you know, anywhere in this world. I needed to make sure that I was investing in that day the day before. So it's like I want to go find a gangster-ass coffee shop. I want to walk there. If I got an Uber, I'm probably going to walk back. Because I'm like, well, let's just figure out how to get a little bit of physical exercise in, yeah. you know, because it's good for your brain. But you're just like walking out and you're seeing things. But also, I hate just spending time on my phone. And a lot of us do that because we're so disconnected from home life that our cell phones become our home life. That's how we pick up with our friends. That's how we communicate and everything. And that's fine and dandy. Schedule a little time for that. For that, you need that. If you need that, do that. I like to call my parents and just check in and say how they're doing. I like to check in on my brother. He's on the road all the time, and I'm always looking out for him too. But it's really, what was I doing? I realized I didn't like reading, so I started reading more. I started listening to different podcasts. I started just listening and walking around and visually stimulating my mind. And now it's like every time I go to Glasgow, I'm like, cool. I know when I'm getting there, I need to get this shit done because I want to go to Necropolis because it's a mile and a half walk. And then I get to go see one of the oldest cemeteries in the world. And I just get to read these, these headstones of some real cryptic messages that maybe I need to listen to because sometimes I'm also human and I don't really, sometimes I don't give a shit, you know, I'm just like, whatever, you know, I like to get checked every day by uh, re- re- reminding myself that someone is out there struggling. Someone's always going to have it worse than you. So take advantage of this time because it's investing in you because later that night, I got to give it, I, I got to give my all to these people, you know, especially when I go speak in Europe. Um, Europeans are so passionate about mental health. People in the UK are so passionate about mental health, yet they don't talk about it. They're very stonewalled. They're very old, like their architecture. <laughs> and they just don't want to talk about that shit. And that's fine. But when I'm there, lo and behold, I've had two and a half hour waiting lines for people to be like, I want to talk to Johnny. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm cool with that. But I need to make sure that I take care of myself right. too. So you're, you know, th- this is going back to the start of this thought question is like, you need to be able to recharge right. to be able to right. help other people. And that's, and, that, and, and we call those valves. In, in our organization, we call those our valves. You know, that's, hey, go take a walk, go do this at the other. I try to book my, con- my my phone calls during the day between like 11 and 1 so I can go walk outside. Because I'm like, oh, if it's nice out, I'm going to go for a walk. Sure. You, know, you know, like just these little things that you can turn, you know, into your life. When I'm at home, um, I'm, I'm grateful when I'm home because I can really like manage my schedule where I'm not waiting for a tour bus to arrive. Oh, there's a shit ton of traffic. We're going to be late for load and all these things that everyone starts you know shaking up about it's like mm-hmm. who the fuck cares the show's gonna fucking happen everybody like right. chill the fuck out but it's but but to be fair it that's is. that's the build-up and then everybody starts to stress right and- everyone does but that's when we all have to take a deep breath and go all right what do we need to do to adapt in men because i still need to get this shit done so i can go do what the fuck i need to do which is take care of myself or i can't give myself to these people yeah and when i'm home i realize that you know, I'm, I I love waking up early. I love being with, you know, just the ability to know that I might not be, you know, needing to work right now. So I look at 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. is my time. I invest in myself. I go do yoga, make a pot of coffee. Sometimes because I have horrible ADHD, I'll fucking sit there and I'll smoke a joint and I'll get my day ready. But I'm not going to go fuck a bag of, ch- uh, you know, flaming Hot Cheetos all of a sudden. I'm like... I'm a very high functioning dude because that's just how I've always combated my my ADHD. 
Um, and, and the thing for me is that like, I know that at that point in time, I'm filling up my cup mm-hmm. because then at 7 a.m., I open my email. And then I'm talking with people in Europe and the UK. I'm talking with people in Australia. I'm talking with people in the East Coast, the West Coast. I'm giving myself to everyone. And I don't fucking stop. And the thing that I really started to realize was that I needed to stop because I'd get overwhelmed. I wouldn't be able to progress the next day. I'd be fucking just on in, in, in this weird headspace. And it was just so important to me that I'm like, okay, if you can't take days off, take hours off every day. And that's my whole method. That love is simply that. it. I you love know, that. I take hours off every day. Yeah. Usually in the morning, I try to take a little bit of time during the day, and then I'll take some time at night to myself. Hmm. And I'm grateful that I have friends and I have family that all want to hang out, you know. But at the same time, sometimes we just need to go chill on our couch. We don't have to Netflix and chill. We don't even have to put anything on. Just put a fucking record on and breathe. Yeah. Like those things are so valuable to me because we're never all gonna make we're we're never gonna make the money that we all deserve to make. And so like I always talk about what's your benefits package, you know, and that's the biggest thing. My benefits package is my time, my yoga practice, my, my, my time that I want to invest into my people. But, you know, it's my morning. Like, I, I sometimes forget to fucking eat. So I'm like, what, what can I do? Lo and behold, I bought a smoothie maker, like one of those ninja things or whatever, and I just take two minutes I throw a fucking half avocado in there, two cups of kale, a cup of blackberries, some protein power, and some almond milk. I take it on with me. So all of a sudden, I'm good because we have to take care of what we're putting in our bodies too. Yeah. And we all know that if we don't eat throughout the day, all of a sudden we're like, oh, fuck, I got to you know, haul ass across town and get, get to this meeting. Your option might be a McDonald's, a Wendy's, or something like that, or you just don't eat and you're feeling it in your body in this meeting and you're like, I'm not even fucking paying attention. You know, there's so many things that we could just be doing mm-hmm. every day to make sure that we're going to get through the day. And and then when it comes down to when you are able to take days off, I honor myself. I shut everything off. And the funny thing was is that I was exhibiting this uh, this past December when we had a really amazing year. We wrapped up amazing things. And, I, and one of the things that I really started pushing for Hope for the Day was that um, our employees get a week off in the, on the holiday season, a week off in the summer because we're so busy and that doesn't go against any of their benefits package. So they get two weeks off. But they still have sick days and personal sick days. Sick days, personal days. Yeah. Take as, cool. Really, it's really, if you need to get your work done, just get your fucking work done. But if not, get the fuck out of here and go enjoy life because we're talking about mental health. We're literally in the business of saving lives and in order to do that, we have to take care of our own lives too. Cool. And... When I was doing a digital detox, I was up. Yeah, in- let's talk about this real quick because I, I want to. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, and I'm going to just say it first. Um, so Johnny took a digital detox. The team was quote unquote on a vacation, which is great. You know, yeah. giving the team the holidays, but at that same time, uh, POTUS 44, yeah, uh, Mr. Barack Obama decided to say some really amazing things about Johnny and the organization, <laughs> and uh, he might be the only person I know that's gotten a shout out from. President Obama himself, you know, on Twitter, granted on Twitter, but like, I feel like that's his platform now. He's, you know, that's his major, major platform as the former president of the United States. And he commended Johnny on his efforts. And um, so amazing, dude. And like Johnny said this to me last night, he's like, the team was like, dude, we're off. And the president (laughs) said this and now we got (laughs) to react. And, and it's, and, but you didn't, you took everybody, you let everybody still sort of take a break and, and kind of, Absolutely moved after that, but 
what I want to sort of get to now is that phase. So yeah. President Obama, um, the, the biggest thing of the, that piece that they did on Johnny and, and Hope for the Day and the team and is he, in the last two years, the process of um, um, four years, they have partnered with Dark Matter Coffee oh, in Chicago and they've been, ro- boys, they've yes. been roasting and doing a, a coffee for them that they've been selling and the proceeds go t- towards, you know, all of our programming and yeah, and, and helping them make generate some revenue. Yeah, um, but now Johnny also um, opened a coffee shop in <laughs> in Chicago, and and I know that was a big that was the kind of the the the, it the was point the of that. But like this has all kind of been building for years since yeah. you started this organization, culminating in this right now, and it's it's a physical space in Chicago that right. people can come to. Right, and and it's so Sip of Hope was built out of two organizations, Hope for the Day and Dark Matter, like truly coming together. And we were talking about how, you know, years ago, how we could make impact together because they were growing and we were growing. And, <clears throat> you know, I really got into coffee and I just love how coffee connects with people um, and in so many beautiful ways from the farm to the cup. It, it's just a, an unreal process that I think a lot of people don't have exposure to. And I was hanging out with them and, and we were just like, what can we do differently? And I was like, well, you know, like what if we roasted a bag, you know, of coffee and like we were able to have like resources on it and we put it on the shelves of Whole Foods. We're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause I was roasting coffee with a board member and I started bagging it myself and I went to Whole Foods and said, I could, I can do this. And they asked me what I could really, you know, um, come through with on like quantities and, and all that stuff. And I didn't, I was kind of like a deer in the headlights. I was like, yeah, I'll get back to you. Um, and, and then lo and behold, as the universe, you know, happens, I was introduced to dark matter. They shared how they were impacted and what they wanted to do. So they're like, if you've been doing this and you want to do this, like we're all in. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. So we launched sip of hope as a bag and they immediately put it on whole food shelves for us, which was funny. Cause I remember going to that meeting and the guys from whole foods were like, We've met, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, like you showed up here in a brown like paper bag, coffee bag with a stamp on it that said Sip of Hope, right? And I said, yeah. I'm like, and here's the new bag. And they're like, holy shit. And we started utilizing coffee sampling as an outreach mechanism. Cool. Um, and But also that showed your willingness to go back to the drawing board and yeah. find the right people, yeah. which seems like that's been the whole reason you have been successful. It's your hard work and determination and then going like, I don't know about this, but this person does. And so, yeah. hey, would you be... Fuck being you know, a jack of all trades. Yeah, <laughs> like, but but I think a true testament to Johnny is is that he's a very amazing people person and he has also gone, I don't know about this. What can I, who can I talk to? Yeah. And then he's convinced them to help him. And that's, that's life. Yeah. I, that's like my favorite life moments of like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to get to the people that do. Right. And, and we're going to do this together. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, buying stuff and then private labeling it myself, you know, like I don't have time to do that, nor I don't, I don't know what the fuck to do. I know how to roast coffee now, which is great. But like the thing was, is that I was like, hey, once again, can I just put this message on something that can live on a shelf that it might catch someone uh, because lo and behold, people buy coffee every day. Yeah. And in 2016, I lost a good friend of mine to cancer, Jay Michael, and Jay was uh, an amazing investor in Chicago. He really built up a lot of communities that a lot of um, you know real estate people just wouldn't want to go into, and his time was extremely valuable to me, and I remember we got a meeting on the books. We met at a coffee shop, and he goes, you need to have a social enterprise that is 
you know, just generating money and, and you can go fucking run around the world and like you have money coming in because people don't want to fucking fund mental health and, and that's fucked up. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And I was thinking that he would might be like, and here's a check, you know, <laughs> homeboy had his own show on Bravo and he was just like this beautiful, very well-spoken, proud gay man who, who just led his life the way he wanted to. And I kind of brushed it off. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck he means right now. But when I found out Jay passed, I was sitting in the middle of a blizzard in Maryville, Indiana, and it's it's no 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 place to send a postcard from. Um, and I was just like, holy fuck, I need to honor this guy's life, just like I was honoring Mike's life, just like I've been honoring my aunt, my uncle's life, and all my friends that I've lost and community members that I've lost life. And I was like, what did he say? I need to start something. So I was in the room with our executive director, Dave, and I said, I think it's time that we start talking about opening up a coffee shop. And he goes, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'll come back to this. And he goes, all right. And I let it die for like six months, and I was just generating this idea. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, how do we do this? And that was 2016 was a year that we started selling Sip of Hope, like selling bags. And I was like, oh, sick, Whole Foods is really on board with this. Like, they're crushing it. We're selling bags. We're raising money. This is awesome. What more can we do? How do I build the same fucking activation that we built with Live Nation at all these shows, with Warp Tour at all these shows, that we've built these things? But at the end of the day, they pop, you know, they crumble back up. A 10 by 10 crumbles up, and it gets put on a, a trailer, and it's on to the next show. How do we create something that's a brick and mortar, like Jay was telling me to do? So I put together the business plan, and I went to Dark Matter, and I said, hey, Remember when we talked about this? I said, yeah. And I said, I want to do it. And I said, okay. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, just don't fuck it up. And I was like, all right, cool. And I, it was off to the races. And you know, I spent all of 2017 manifesting, talking with local officials, trying to find the right neighborhood to put it in, how we can make it into a stepping stone, how can we provide our education opportunities to people. Because we provide our education for free to anybody because I just don't fucking believe in, in people having to charge for a resource that's like, fucking dumb to me it's like if people can't afford healthcare, you think they got a couple you know 40 bucks to come get educated fuck off anyways i was determined and i raised um with our team about seventy five thousand dollars before we announced that we were doing this and i was like we need to get a lot more money but we have a nice little nut to start with and lo and behold uh you know when you ask the community to be a part of it you never know who's going to pop out and on May 1st of 2018, we opened the doors to Sip of Hope, the world's first coffee shop where 100% of the proceeds support proactive suicide prevention and mental health education in the Logan Square neighborhood in Chicago. And we are open six to nine daily, and we have never closed our doors other than two days, which were for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Which, I mean, <laughs> you know, respect. Yeah, respect, respect. But amazing. But the bigger picture was is that what was Sip of Hope going to be outside of a coffee shop? And right when you walk in, there's resources, there's education materials that's not down some fucking creepy hallway that everyone's going to think, oh, there goes the wacko. But I wanted to create a stepping stone in the community for resources and education. We provide free education right across the street with our partners at the Chicago Public Library. Once a month, they pack out. And now we're building these satellite opportunities all around the city of Chicago because lo and behold, you start talking about it, others are going to start talking about it, and and it's just been this beautiful thing, but we've been able to connect over a cup of coffee. We've been able to connect over something that people literally drink every day, and we've made that suicide prevention. And 
it's just trippy, man. Um, people, people traveled from all, have traveled from all around the world to come have a cup of coffee with me. At one point in time, we played a role in their success in their life. And we've had people from the Netherlands to, you know, fucking Switzerland to a family from Canada drove down and a father said, thank you for saving my daughter's life. I said, no, your daughter saved her own life. We just had a 10 by 20 activation at a festival and we just talked with your daughter. And to hear that, the guy broke down in front of me and I was like, you need to go tell your daughter how fucking awesome she is. Yeah. Because she took this opportunity and did something with it, you know? And it, it's cool um, because the, everyone thinks that I work at the coffee shop. I'm like, I'm actually the worst thing when it comes to that. I'm like, I'm really good at drinking the coffee. Yeah. Everything else, uh, we'll leave it to the great staff that's over there crushing it every day. And, and it's about really, that's like one of the, full, the coolest things about Hope for Today's mission is like we're here to give people the tools. We're here to build autonomy in these communities, but like really empower people. And from that, it started catching a lot of attention from local politicians, press. We are on the Today Show. The Obama Foundation reached out to us to highlight me as a Chicago, you know, individual doing something, and um, it was cool. They released a video on World Mental Health or on World Suicide Prevention Day, I should say, um, in in September, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." Didn't think anything of it, and so we get into December. We crush our, our Q4. I'm telling the team, I'm so stoked. We're going to do amazing things in 2019. Take your time for yourself. I go to Wisconsin, and my parents call me up, and they said, how's your digital detox going? I'm like, I'm, it's great. I am literally watching ice form on this lake. Like literally, like I'm listening to music, but my phone's away from me. It's, it's what I need. They're like, all right, we're coming up. We're going to pass by. You want to get breakfast? Fuck yeah, it's good breakfast. So I pull my phone out of the drawer, and I'm like, where's a greasy spoon? And we sit down at the diner. I ordered the cup of coffee, coffee, cup of coffee hits the table, and all of a sudden, my phone's going, I'm like, oh, okay, I wonder who that is. Oh, it's my brother, I'll call him back. And he's, he keeps calling me back, I'm like, oh, man, something must be going on, you know, and, and he works in, in the EDM world, so I was like, I wonder if, like, a digital screen fell down, and he's having a shit day, or what's, <laughs> or did the bass not drop, like, what fucking happened, and uh, he's like, dude. Where are you? I'm like, I'm in this diner with mom and dad. Why? He's like, open up Twitter. And I was like, why? He's like, Obama just fucking tweeted about you. I go, yeah. He goes, dude, I got this massive fucking digital wall and it's up on the digital wall. You want me to FaceTime you? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, I will just, uh, I'll look at this. Okay, cool. So I hang up the phone with him and all of a sudden, people from all around the world are texting me, emailing me, FaceTiming me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is real. And I look and I'm like, oh, that, that, it happened. And my parents are like, so what happened? And I was like, uh, President Obama tweeted about me. And my dad goes, is that the little bluebird thing? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. My dad that's just got the, on. That's the most dad response yeah, ever. Well, Holy my dad shit. Just, I found out my dad just got on Facebook and I'm like, we're not even friends. What the fuck? Uh, but I, I also. That's the greatest yeah, dad no, response so I was like, ever. I'm sitting there reading it. And I was like, holy shit, he actually spelled my name right. J-O-N-N-Y-B-O-U-C-H-R. I'm like, wow, what else did he have to say? And it was just like, it's leaders like Johnny Boucher who you know, were impacted by suicide. And I opened up this coffee shop to you know, um, lend emotional support and resources in the community. And I was just like, holy shit, 
this guy that I have looked up to. You know, I remember, you know, going down to Grant Park when he when he got elected and and just being with this group of people who were like, fuck, we're gonna see change in this world. This is amazing. And I think that's what Obama did for everybody, whether you liked him or not, is he showed you that we were gonna do fucking things differently. Yeah. And he was just another Steve Jobs that thought differently and was like, Yep, I'm crazy enough to pull this shit off. And I, I'm like sitting here and I'm like, fuck, I'm in a digital detox. What do I do with this? And I was about to alert our social media team and everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be respectful of their time. Um, I'm going to dedicate a couple hours of this, of my day to this. We're going to spread the good word real quick. And then we're going to shut it back down, John boy, because it's December 28th and your ass ain't supposed to be touching your phone till the first. Mm-hmm. So I did. And um, it was, it was, it was amazing. But it was like one of these things that I was like, as amazing as this is, I need to take my time. Sure. And I gave all the love and praise and everything. And then lo and behold, I get back on uh, on my phone on, on you know, and I open my email on January first. And on January first, the Today Show re-ran our segment that was on Megan Kelly because it got such higher viewership than a lot of the segments that she was doing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it just won't stop. This is amazing. Hey, and man. it was thousands of emails, thousands of stories, and people are just like, oh my gosh, can we put a sip of hope here? We have had uh, over like 80 different cities reach out to us. Hey, how do we bring sip of hope here? And I'm like, I don't know, like the guy from Starbucks just left. Maybe he has some money to give us too that we could. But uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. You know, we're just trying to figure things out. Sip of hope is such a beautiful thing. And, and it's really, it was a gamble. Like literally, we don't, we're not like shitting money here. Like where we had the ability to drop couple you know bucks in the in the in a bucket and be like yeah let's go build a coffee shop i literally depleted 50 percent of our financial assets to open up sip of hope my board was on you know they're like we'll we'll do this with you our board of directors were like we'll do this with you dark was like we'll do this with you you just need to be prepared for what happens after that because you need to bring all this revenue back in because we have all this other work we've promised people we're doing mm-hmm. so i you know i was like all right well we're gonna do this but I didn't know what it was going to do, and that's the beautiful thing about it, about mental health in general when you're doing outreach is you don't know who is really listening or how it's impacting them because we're talking about something we can't see. You have a great head of hair. I have a great head of hair. <laughs> um, you have a beard. I don't. I wish. I have this like cool mustache right now. But even if we were bald, we couldn't see our brains You know, going through distress. And mm-hmm. not many people hang out in neuroscience laboratories like I do, which I'm like, everyone's like, oh, are you a doctor? I'm like, no. People go, "What are you? So, how are you qualified to run this organization? I was like, oh, because I give a shit and I'm willing to you know, learn. And they're like, fair, you know? But it, it's just like we don't know who's going to be listening or paying attention. And it was such a beautiful moment. But people were like, dude, you've made it and everything. And I was like, um, the only thing I can visually see is that he tweeted about us. A lot of people reacted about it. And that's fucking awesome. People are pouring in. And I got verified on Instagram for some fucking reason, which is great. Um, but I'm like, because my friend now calls me Blue Check. And I'm like, Blue Check? What the hell is that? He's like, you're verified. Like, how'd you do that? I have people who have massive followings on Instagram hitting me up like, dude, how'd you do it? And I just say Obama. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, but I, I, I can't say much more than that. Thanks, Obama. But Thank you, Barry. F- but for real. <laughs> no, for real. But that guy. Uh, how about, wait, real quick, because you called him Barry. Dude, how about Barry drinking a Guinness in Ireland? Those photos just <laughs> recently, last week was, last weekend was St. Patrick. Well, yeah. 
we have recorded this in March, so just whatever. <laughs> when it, when those photos just resurfaced for St. Patrick's Day, he's Barry. Yeah, he's, he's drinking a Guinness with the folks. Anyway, we, yeah, I don't want to no, sidebar, but, but I love but that. I love and, that, and that's the thing. And it's because this, like, we're also in a really interesting place in this country where, um, you know, I'm I'm over talking shit over the red and blue and all this other stuff. And yeah, I just, we, we all have to work together. I don't, yeah, I I'm not here to you know. You know at the end of the day, Trump's a human being too, you know? Yeah. I, I'm i down. If you're listening, I'll fucking sit down and talk to you about mental health just like I will Kanye. Like, I don't give a shit about who you are or what you've done. I'm here to talk about, like, what we're doing together in the future. But the interesting thing about that is that everyone thought I made it. And I said, no, I haven't made it. I, I We haven't made it. Like, millions of dollars aren't sitting in our bank account that we don't have to worry every day about, you know, growing this organization. No, it was it was a, a very influential human and yeah. important person to us right. as, I guess, worldwide, but especially us as Americans, just recognizing your hard work. Right. He didn't, and, and again, in, like in his campaign, he didn't, the work didn't end. No. The work doesn't stop. The and, work's just starting, right. essentially. And, the, and, and, and that's the thing. He has said he needs to use his platform to lift up others. And yeah. that's exactly what he did. Amazing. And at the end of the day, it's amazing but it's an opportunity to take and make things happen. And when that happened, I really was in a beautiful place because I had taken on a, an executive uh, coach and I was really trying to become a better CEO um, because I, I just, I'm, I'm always looking at how I can be a better person and how I can really keep rallying the troops and keep delegating, but also just keep living and, and growing as an individual. Cause I, I think that that's the, the bigger picture for me is just like, I want to remain like, I, I don't like, I don't like podiums when I speak. I don't like being put on some fucking pedestal. I am a human being just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, I didn't make it. I still had to wipe my ass. I still had to cook. I still had to pay my bills on the first and the 15th. Like I still have, things that I have to do. I have responsibilities, but it's a victory for all of us. It was a win for all of us. And that's what I kept saying. People were like, man, you're, you're really, this is a victory for us. I'm like, you should see your fucking name. If you've ever considered being a part of hope for the day, if you've ever struggled, you should see your fucking name in that tweet. You should see your name because that is someone who is constantly fighting for people outside of office now and lifting them up. Him and his wife are doing amazing jobs by taking their platform because they were the first president like presidential run in campaign that maximized social media. Yeah. We got to know the Obamas. Right. And, you know, I recently took my mom to go see uh, Michelle Obama speak on the becoming tour. And it was just so fascinating to hear her say those words. We are here to help other people lift up the great work they're doing. It's not about us. It's about we. And I was like, that's my fucking language. I'm like, yes, you guys get it. But that's why. And it was funny because we were in this like auditorium of like 4,000 people. I would be like, I want to be like, woo woo, you know, like, come on. Like this is, this is what we need, you know? Um, but it is, it is amazing. And every day now I just say my goal is to be a better person and just have more Obama tweets. You know, yeah. whether it's from Obama or not, like he did something that is is now forever, you know, part of history for for this organization. But it really made me think about how was I how was I really investing in myself uh, outside of a digital detox? And one of the things that I'm really open about is that, uh, you know, in all of my touring experience and just life in general, um, you know, I joke a lot that my mom's side of the family was, you know, born in the bar. And 
When my uncle drank himself to death, I got a tattoo of a flask on my right arm to pay respect to him because I needed to have that as a little reminder because we've all had those nights. You know, we've all had those nights. But when talking with my executive coach, he's like, what is one thing that you could take out of your diet right now? And I was like, oh, booze, it's fine. You know, like I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. So he, he asked me to do a 45-day challenge. And I said yes. And then I go, oh, man, I'm going on tour you know, like, what am I going to do? You know, and I just had to get in this like lifestyle of just not drinking. And I, it wasn't, that I was punishing myself. I was like, this is an opportunity to just see how I'm valuing my time. And then it all really came full circle after that tweet from Obama. I was like, this is what you're supposed to be doing with your time. You're, you can go back, you can have a drink whenever you want. Cause I didn't do this out of like, Hey, I'm, I'm hitting the bottle. I was like, I'm just going to chill out for a second right now. And I'm, I'm just going to try and lead by example for mm-hmm. my friends and, and, and everyone. But what it did was it was the right time. It was the right place. It was the right kick in the ass that I needed to say, all right, bud, he just called you a leader. Are you fucking leading or are you just, you know, coasting? Are, 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 you know, where are you in life? Yeah. And it, it made me really question how to move forward, how to be vocal, how to call people out, how to call leaders out. And it compelled me to step up to the plate. I started fighting off emails to CEOs that I never thought I would ever talk to. And one of them was Michael Rapino from Live Nation. And I just said, I'm, I'm sick and tired of losing artists. I'm sure you are as well. But I'm also sick and tired of knowing that there probably are people in your office that are struggling. And we could be helping you know, them together by working together because the show's got to go on. They do a great job of providing a lot of our friends a place of employment, a place of community. And it's not going to work out if we're not taking care of one another. And lo and behold, you know, Michael Pino hit me back and he's like, yeah, let's talk. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay, cool. This is us starting to get like the fruit of that. Well, yeah, but, well, but so it's, and it's you taking a chance. Yeah. You know, you taking a chance and seeing that that gave you some confidence to right. go, I'm going to take a leap. I'm going to see who's listening, who's really listening and yeah. who's interested in, in helping them themselves, their team, others, the well, fans. Yeah, absolutely. The artists themselves. And it's like this, it's like this too. It's like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter like where you are, how successful you're, you're a human being too. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the more successful you are, guess what? There's probably a lot more stress that you go through. Yeah. It's proven. And that's, you know, that's when I realized that like a company like Live Nation, they have Mindful Nation that brings yoga and meditation into the, you know, their offices. And I'm like, oh, that's great. How are we looking out for my friends that are on the road? You know, and it just, it started empowering me to start asking questions instead of being like, oh, I'm going to put this person on the pedestal. Like they're out of touch, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it also made me realize that I emailed one of the most powerful and successful men in the entertainment industry and he hit me back within nine hours. So why, why do I ever have to feel like I can't respond to people? Or am I too good for people? Sure. Because at one point in time, I was on the other side of that, begging for people to give a fuck about mental health, giving a fuck about hope for the day. And there was a lot of my friends and people I don't talk to anymore that just brushed us off because it wasn't part of their P&L. Like, I wasn't going to make them any money. And I was like, well, like... Yeah, your fans, like, you know, like your bands, you know, like, you you know, they they just weren't listening to it. But it was amazing that I could call upon someone like that who is a leader and who I've heard from many of my friends who've been a part of Live Nation for years gives a shit. You know, he gives a shit, but it's also working with us, you know, and it's it's amazing that what we, we are doing. But it now says it sets the bar for what can we do more of? And that's what I always challenge people. What can we do more of together? Because. If one loses, we all lose. 
Great. Um, I would, I, we have been, this has been an amazing conversation. And I, Are we I, still in Nashville? We, yeah, for real. Um, I want to leave and, and seriously thank you again for taking time because I feel like your time is valuable and I know that. And I know <laughs> we've been friends for a long time, but like I also value your time and your yeah. thoughts and your efforts. Um, I would like you to leave the folks who are listening with um, just what can they do to get involved yeah. overall? You know, um, uh, albeit on social media, yeah. coming to see you physically either in Chicago, if there's any Chicagoans listening, um, where to find you overall, yeah. the organization, you, yourself. But then um, wh- how can they get involved? What is a method? If, if people just want to help, what can they yeah. do? So we're, let's leave on that note. And um, Well, because SEO is an amazing thing that we know how to utilize and Google's one of our partners, you can easily Google or search hope for the day. You can even put hope for a day, which shout out to my friends who screwed up. It's all good. You know, (laughs) we got you. We got you covered. But it it starts with this. It starts with understanding that you have a responsibility to yourself and your community to talk about these things on the good days and the bad days. And we as an organization have the tools to help you. And To begin the process, I always tell people, we're going to help you do what you want to do. I just need you to be prepared to tell your story because not one individual ever will walk this earth that hasn't had a bad day. True. So honor yourself. Dive in on how you got out of that and let that be why you talk about it. If you've lost, share that story. If you struggled, share that story. If you're still struggling, share that story. Because that is how we're getting through this life together is by being able to look each other in the eyes and say, Evan, how'd you get through that bad day? How'd you get through a breakup? You know, like, what'd you do? What were some things? Because uh, kind of like spinning in circles right now, you know? And, and, it's, and it starts with just being present in your own life, challenging yourself to write down some things that you wish you could change personally for yourself that you know would be better. And then also leaving a little bit of room to look out for your friends, you know, because you know, how many fucking beer trolleys did we see yesterday? Yeah. Like the party's always going to be going on and whatnot. And we can't stop that. So we got to meet people where they're at and not where you're expecting them to be. Let's, let's ask people, come get a more, you know, more cups of coffee with us instead of going to bars. Maybe if we don't want to be drinking as much or invite them out for that drink, but you know, order a fucking Topo Chico or some shit like that. Like be the change, be the example, because then people are going to resonate with that. Sure. You know, like be the influence, but be prepared to have to listen to, 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 to be able to pass off resources, which you can find all over the Hope for the Day website. You can literally, everything for social media is at Hope for the Day. Everything online is just just Google it. You can Google It's Okay Not to Be Okay because we also have that trademarked. Uh, shout out to everyone using it. And um, you you can just, you can be a part of a part of what we're doing. We love for people to get a story going, share their story online, have it resonate with people. But, I don't hide from people. You want to get at us? Just simply email info at hftd.org and everybody can. Everybody has the ability to get my time because I'm not better than any motherfucker on this planet. And it's really important that I also make time for those people who want to be a part of it to know that they can trust what they're getting involved because we're talking about the scariest thing in life, our own mental health, the skeletons in our closet, you know, the weird shit that we don't want people to know about us. Lo and behold, 
if we all just started talking about it more, we'd realize that we're not fucked up, we're not crazy, we're not insane, we're actually human beings, and we're really actually more one in the same. And, Absolutely. And, and, and that's the bigger picture. But I will leave it with this. Whether it's hope for the day or whether it's another cause or, or, or mission that you're passionate about, invest it in your life now instead of later. Whether you make money or not, invest it in now because it will nurture and it will build up your soul in a beautiful way that allows you to think much bigger than just yourself, your street, your family. It, it, it really opens your eyes when you start looking around and you go, wow, like how could I make an impact? Because I don't want it to be, you know, oh, he did this, he had this car or anything like that. I don't fucking care about that shit. Although your 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 headrest thing in, in your car is very nice. Um, but I, I, I will say this. I'm a firm believer that we need to understand we're all going to go one day. And we don't have ultimately that much control in life. So the things that we can control, let's control them. Let's confront the things that we can't control. But at the end of the day, let's keep in mind that the world's a lot bigger than just ourselves. And whatever you do in life, just please give a shit. And I will challenge everyone, if you want to give a shit, with hope for the day, holler at us. If you want to give a shit with another organization, holler at them. But you spinning around in circles and just living your life for yourself, you will find yourself alone. And we need people in life. And we need to be able to depend on them and we need people to be able to depend on us. And we're going to be a disservice if we're not taking care of ourselves. And, and it's just really important that we know that we can, we can do anything. Hopefully it was built out of an idea. There's a lot of things thrown at the wall, but because I was persistent and never giving up, we're now in this room together and there's people in Mauritania in a youth prison educating youth on Hope for the Day's education by showing them a Coca-Cola bottle and shaking it up and understanding that we have to take the cap off to relieve that pressure because everybody's a Coca-Cola bottle, everyone's a Pepsi bottle, whatever the fuck it is. You're a human being and you don't have all the answers. But when you do have some answers, let that knowledge be known. But just know that when you do it in a way that is to nurture others and not just glorify yourself, the world is is truly your oyster. Johnny Boucher, <laughs> thank you so much for yeah. giving us your time today and, and for real um, educating us um, on a little bit deeper and mental health across the board. And so... For real, if anybody out there listening is struggling in any capacity, reach you know, out. Reach out. You reach know, out. I, I will say reach out to me as well. I'm always available. Um, but yeah, if, if you're not alone. No, you're, you're not, not alone. alone. And again, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about this. And uh, I, I just, it's so important to me. I just wanted to have there be a, a long form version of something, especially knowing that um, mental health awareness month is going on right yeah. now and just you're not alone you no. can you know there's there's resources and help out there and please check out hope for the day um and johnny again thanks for being here yeah let's get down with the good time <laughs> my sincere thank you to johnny boucher for taking some time out of his very busy schedule to sit down with me and um, discuss a really really important issue we have going on in our country and around the world um, if anybody listening to this uh, has questions, thoughts, wants to get involved with Hope for the Day, it's hftd.org. Um, reach out to Johnny or the organization directly. Um, seriously, thank you for listening to this one. 
Um, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Notes from the Road Pod and subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or your preferred podcast listening site. Notes from the Road is produced and engineered by Isaac Burkhart, along with production and design by Andrew Cook. Thanks. See you next time. <laughs>